the cool and weird thing about podcasting is there are no rules, right? No. It's all just what you decide is good for everybody. And that's really cool, you know, because there's, there's a lot of rules everywhere else. So I think that when people are looking at, okay, should I podcast? It's one of those two things. It's do I want to connect with a new kind of segment of my audience that's just podcast listeners? Or do I want to connect with my existing audience members in a new way and in a different type of content and telling a different kind of story? And if the answer to either of those is yes, then I think it's a good fit. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. As you might have already guessed, I'm a big fan of podcasting. They've been part of my daily routine for at least the last five years. But ever since going behind the mic, I've learned a ton about what actually goes into creating and distributing a show. But I am still a rookie. My guest today is going to give us a peek behind the curtains to help us understand what opportunities exist for podcasters and marketers. If you've got a podcast show or think that podcasts are a channel that you'd be interested in advertising and marketing on, then this episode is going to be for you. My guest today is the founder of Podcast Motor and Castos, as well as the host of Rogue Startups. Join me live today. I've got Craig Hewitt. Thanks a lot for jumping on, Craig. Hey, Stuart. Thanks for having me. I thought that we might start by taking a look at podcasting kind of as a medium and why you've chosen it as your platform to build two companies. So do you have any particular memory of when you realized that you'd want to devote so much time and effort towards podcasting? Yeah, it's funny. I, I think a lot of us end up in something maybe like really intentionally, like we kind of go through this, you know, lifestyle design mentality that like Tim Ferriss advocated in his for our work week book. And some of us just happen to like back into a situation kind of randomly. And th I guess that's really my story to begin down this road is I started Podcast Motor, which is a productized service that does kind of done for you podcast editing and production. Really just because I started my own podcast, you mentioned Rogue Startups, and really quickly saw like, this is a pain. <laughs> like all of the stuff you do after we record this episode today is a hassle, honestly. It's hard work. It's detail-oriented. It takes forever. It takes a fair amount of skill. And and so pretty quickly saw like, okay, I'm like a budding entrepreneur and this is not worth my time. There have to be other people who value their time from a financial sense a lot higher than I do. I bet they would be interested in a service like this. And so that's really kind of how I got started down this road. And from there, Podcast Mortar grew to you know a, a pretty nice self-sustaining business and then got the opportunity to purchase the Seriously Simple Podcasting plugin that we then kind of built the Castos platform on top of and to integrate with. So, so it's kind of funny, like I didn't start out to say like podcasting is the next big thing because five and a half years ago when I started, I don't think many people would have been really sure that podcasting was the next big thing. And maybe it's not, but I mean, for, for me and like, I think a lot of people in marketing, at least here in like the middle of 2020, it's, it's definitely the thing that a lot of people feel like they should be doing. So in that respect, we got really fortunate to, to be in the position we're in just in the market. 
what insight did you have five years ago that made you want to even start that show to begin with? Yeah, so I, like you, was a huge consumer of podcasts, and particularly like the the internet marketing, entrepreneur, make money online kind of space. You know, folks like Pat Flynn were some of the first podcasts that I, I listened to and was just like amazed at the amount of content and the amount of value that you can relay over a podcast versus a blog post. And in particular, like for people on the go, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of a silly way to say it, but like people that are in their car driving or people that are exercising or walking the dog or just not sitting in one place looking at their phone or looking at their computer. And so just the way to to transfer information and gain trust and value with an audience in a, in a different way. Because I think like podcasting should be complementary to other content you're creating, like blogging and YouTubing and stuff like that. So just saw that like, wow, this is a really easy, frankly, way to to create content and value for an audience, but it's hard and complicated. <laughs> and especially back then, I mean, it was very different than it is now. So really just kind of wanted to be part of that from like from the inside. Yeah. And there, I feel like that proliferation of content being the, just a, a need to have for anyone, whether it's a brand or a person who just wants to get their message out there, it almost feels like it's just kind of compounded year after year that it's it's no longer an option. That's a given, but now it's even like, but now you also need to have production quality and consistency and be on multiple channels. And so podcasting does open up that avenue because it is audio and video and then can be transcribed super easily. But it's a lot of steps. And so that's where kind of the, the, where I think a lot of people, and I know I certainly was naive to it before jumping on. I was like, wow, this is like, obviously, yeah, there's tons of things you can do. But when you start doing it yourself, you're like, okay, but what should I do? And what really kind of moves the needle in terms of what you're looking for? Maybe you can, because you've had your hands on a ton of projects of, of podcasts that you've been the editor of and, and helped them to actually get their shows launched. But then you've also, now through Castos, you've had kind of like a, an arm's length view at a bunch of people's shows. Maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about some of the most interesting ways you see people using podcasting to get their message out or, or whatever kind of outcome they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I think just really generally, like you, you should look at podcasting or you could look at podcasting in kind of two ways as opposed to the rest of your content and your brand. And one is to like reach an entirely new audience, right? And, and so if there are people that aren't blog readers or aren't YouTube watchers or subscribers, they might just be podcast listeners. And if you don't have a podcast, you're not going to reach those folks. And the other option is to connect with your existing audience in a different way. So if you think of this story that we're telling today, this is not, this would not make a super good blog post, right? This would be really long. Like we'll talk for 30 or 45 minutes. So it'd be like 15 pages <laughs> in a Google doc or something to read if you transcribe it. And, and so just the, the story and the amount of information that you and I will cover here is, is just arduous for someone to read or for a writer to write. And so I think that, and not to mention that we're telling a story and like telling a story in a lot of times is better in like the audio medium. You think about audio books and groups like NPR going all the way back to, you know, before they were even podcast when they were, 
you know, just regular terrestrial radio shows. Yeah. They knew that like telling a story in the audio medium is the way to go. And so now everybody does that via podcast, but it used to be that people did that in regular radio. And so I think that when people are looking at, okay, should I podcast? It's one of those two things. It's do I want to connect with a new kind of segment of my audience that's just podcast listeners or do I want to connect with my existing audience members in a new way and in a different type of content and telling a different kind of story? And if the answer to either of those is yes, then I think it's a good fit. What are some of the most common mistakes you see podcast shows making from from a marketing standpoint? Because there's there's a lot of effort that goes into the the content creation, or you can outsource it to people like you. But then there's also then getting people to listen or getting it in the in the ears of your the the people you're seeking to serve. What are some of the most common mistakes you see you see there? Yeah, I think that like a lot of content, <laughs> podcasting is not so different than again a YouTube channel or a blog post or like a free course even is a lot of us don't promote our content the right way. Maybe some of us overpromote it in the wrong way, but I think a lot of us just don't promote our content enough. And we probably spend too much time, which is a little counterintuitive, too much time creating the content and not enough time promoting it. If you look at some folks who I think are like some of the best content creators these days is the folks at Hrefs, so the SEO tool. They say that they only they create maybe two or three blog posts a month. And they're a huge company, right? But they spend the rest of the time you know, crafting the next piece and really like making it great, but also promoting the heck out of those existing pieces and doing doing the hard kind of legwork that that comes with like promoting content. And so I think when we look at our podcast, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, again, we'll talk for an hour today, another couple of hours will go into the production of the episode, but then like how much time are you spending connecting with your audience and and continuing to promote the promote the content that you're putting out there? I'll, I'll I'll speak for myself. Like for our audience podcast at Castos, I I don't hardly spend any time promoting it, and so I'm guilty as guilty as anybody mm-hmm. that like we put some social media posts out and include it in our weekly newsletter, uh, and that's it. And we could we could do a lot better, but I think the folks that have really good growth with their show do a good job of marketing their podcast. I would say the other one that is almost universal. When you look at these shows that have a really high degree of traction and, and interaction and connectedness with their audience is they have some sort of community. So it's a Facebook group or it's a Slack channel or it's a discourse or discord uh, group or, or channel somewhere for the the community and the audience members and the host, at least to begin with, to continue the discussion from the podcast. Because the, the podcast or the blog post or the YouTube channel should be like the tip of the iceberg, I think. It's not, it doesn't tell the whole story. It just piques people's interest and gets them thinking about something. But, but really, there's a lot of questions and discussion that should go on after that happens. And like the medium of podcasting is, is a little tough for this, right? Because you and I talk and then your audience will listen and then they'll say, yeah, but mm-hmm. whatever, right? And and there has to be a place and a way to to continue that discussion. And so people with engaged and thriving communities are really successful with their podcasts. And it's, I don't know, maybe a bit of the chicken and the egg thing is like, which one needs to come first? But like, 
I would say if you are really serious about a podcast these days, whether it's just for like a, a passion project or in more of like a B2B setting for your brand, you need to have a place for your listeners to connect with you and with each other. It's definitely more on the media side than the social media. Like there's no good way for someone to comment on this, right? And that's because it's distributed to so many platforms, all of which are like kind of static. I know that there's some new podcasting apps coming out that make it more social media e, where you can kind of like highlight the transcription and share that and then people can comment. But we're still a ways away from it being as engaging as like a Facebook or a Instagram as an example. I just want to kind of loop back on the the promotion side of things. Where or what or how have you seen like the best organic promotion where it's not people putting out ads saying subscribe to the show, but it's more taking the ideas and the, the gold nuggets from episodes and then sprinkling it around the internet or wherever else you see people promoting. But but what does that actually look like? If if you say we were say we recorded this episode and then you had two hours of, of, of time that you're willing to allocate towards a distribution and promotion, where would you spend it? Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll give a, a cop-out answer that is really the best answer, but it's not, it doesn't really do justice to your question. The best way to get that kind of viral peer-to-peer growth for your podcast is to make really awesome content. And I know that's not what you're asking, but that's the answer is if you're, if your podcast is that good, People will share it because that is the number one, like Stuart, think about it. When do you like listen to a new podcast? It's because you have a friend or a colleague or something that says, hey, you have to go listen to this. Mm-hmm. When something is really share worthy like that, then people will because like you as uh, you know, an authority in the marketing space want to share something with someone else and then say, wow, Stuart really knows what he's talking about. This is a great resource. I really respect what Stuart is saying. He picked a great podcast from the millions of marketing podcasts out there to share with me. And so that that's really like what we want as the people sharing. And, and that's really the way that shows grow organically. You, you meant you said organically, but that, that doesn't really answer the question of like, okay, if you want to kind of proactively go out there and, and market stuff, I think there's a couple of ways to do it. One is to have your podcast on YouTube. So this is a little a little bit of a cheat because I don't know that it's a podcast anymore if it's on YouTube, but there are tools out there and we have one at Castos that does this automatically. So every time you publish an episode, convert it to a video and publish it to YouTube. There are standalone tools that do this as well. You can do it yourself if you're you know handy with with a video tool. But I mean, YouTube is a massive place and getting bigger all the time. You look at shows like Joe Rogan, a lot of his growth is attributed to being on YouTube. So I think it's it it doesn't take a lot of extra work. It's not like you're going to create a whole nother piece of content, but you create your audio con- podcast, whether you capture video like we could now, or you just have an, a static image kind of background. Having a podcast on YouTube is a great way to kind of repurpose it and get kind of more traction, broaden your audience. The next one is, I think, really good social media pieces to share. So it's like a customized image for each episode or creating an audiogram with a tool like Headliner to be really interesting. You mentioned some of these like little transcription snippets that you can that you can share. I think those are great. I think audiograms like Headliner or Wave are great. And and just consistently sharing those in a bunch of places where your target audience is already. And it's Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, or your existing community, any and all of those are great. And I think that a lot of us publish things once and think that like, 
on social media and think, okay, we've, you know, we've done our job promoting it. If you look at some of the data that like Buffer and CoSchedule have put out about the number of times that a single piece of content should be shared on social media, it'll blow your mind. It's like 17 times or something. And, and this is, this is over the course of weeks and months. And, and so I think a lot of us, and again, I, I'm feeling bad saying this because I'm guilty, you know, share something once the day it goes out and that's it. And like a lot of people will never see that tweet or that Facebook post, but using, you know, Buffer or Hootsuite or whatever to, to schedule these things out over the next couple of weeks doesn't take hardly any more time. Your audience, I don't think is going to get all pissy about like, oh, Craig shared this one podcast from three weeks ago. If your, if your content is that good, you should feel proud to be sharing it with your audience. So, so those are the few things I think really are like best practices. And I guess I would, I would include email and engaging with your audience on email as much as like, I want to be cooler than email, you know, here in 2020 and think that like TikTok or something is the way to grow a podcast. Email for us at least. And I think a lot of B2B marketing people is still the way to go to connect with people in like a, a meaningful targeted way. Well, and presumably if you're the kind of person who's starting a podcast, you you understand that this is a little bit more of an owned medium than if you were to be a pure YouTuber. And yep. we understand that there's there's a trade-off, like yes, there's yes, we own this content and we're in charge of it and we get to distribute however we want, but there's no baked in audience like YouTube. And that's why YouTube exists is because they will help you to grow super quickly by showing it to relevant people using their algorithm, but you're at the mercy of their algorithm. So podcast mm-hmm. growth might be a little slower, but you you do own the audience. And so owning their email or give, have, letting them give you permission to contact them via email becomes kind of that second layer of authenticity being like, yes, I, I can now get in, get in touch with you whenever I want. I think it's a bit the the style or the way that people listen to podcasts versus something like YouTube. You know, one, it's like the open versus closed platform. But two, like very, very, very few people listen to an un episode of a podcast and then an episode of another podcast. You listen to, you subscribe and listen to all the episodes of that podcast and then all of the episodes of that other podcast. Whereas YouTube, you could be on you know, this home improvement channel listening to, you know, watching their video. And then the next one, and you don't, you don't think like, oh, those are different people. It's a different, you know, podcast or station or whatever. And, and some people really looking at podcast discovery are discussing this a lot that like, we need to think about not, I listen to this podcast, but I listen to this episode. If, and I don't know that we'll be able to change podcast listener and consumers minds like that, but I do think that's, I do think that's a big difference when when you talk about that sequential like kind of binging is it would be difficult for you to listen to a bunch of my podcasts in a row uh, if you think about it in the YouTube way like you just probably wouldn't do it. Mm. I just I just finished listening to The Rabbit Hole or I mean it's just Rabbit Hole. It's a it's like a New York Times mm. investigative journalist style podcast series all about YouTube and like the rabbit holes that exist on the internet and how the algorithm feeds it. And it gets to a scary place because it becomes political and and people do crazy things. But I've never, I can't even look at YouTube the same way. Like it, it freaks me out almost that how effective it is at 
maximizing for watch time because that's what its outcome is. It used to be clicks and that led to clickbait titles. Now it's maximized Mm -hmm. for watch time. And I think it speaks for itself. Like it's no problem. You can spend half an hour on YouTube like an afternoon. Yeah. Crazy. Let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the opportunity for podcasters and now brands to kind of work hand in hand. The not everyone's going to want to monetize, not everyone's going to want to go this route, but the benefit of building an audience is that you now know and if you and if you've done all the steps that you've mentioned, you've built a relationship with them, you have a community, they have trust, you've done this over over a while, you now under have a deep understanding of what your community wants. And maybe you don't have an offer for them, but maybe there's someone who does and you know it would help out your audience a lot in a certain part of their their life. Maybe let's start from the the podcaster side. First of all, if you want to monetize somehow, what are some things you should start thinking about early on to make your show attractive to a sponsor or any other type of kind of marketing partnership? Yeah. So I think having, if you're at the point where you have a podcast, it has listeners and you're going to start reaching out to, to potential sponsors, you want to have a good kind of grasp on your analytics. So kind of what is the average Download number for episodes, you typically in the first like month or six weeks is the the cutoff point because you have this like long tail of people that listen to your your back episodes forever. But a month or six weeks after an episode comes out, what do the download numbers look like for your last, you know, 10 or 20 episodes? That's something that everyone is going to ask you. Where are they located? What types of devices are they listening on? And any, you know, hosting platform worth its weight and salt will have those numbers for you. You can use an independent tool like PodTrack or Chartable you want to have something that's a little uh, more independent and that kind of sits on top of your your regular podcast feed so yeah i think that that's the first thing to think about and then really nailing this alignment between what you talk about on your show and kind of who you are and like what you represent with what your audience is looking for and what their kind of pains and desires and wants and needs are and the third kind of leg of that stool is like, okay, so what kind of sponsor would be complementary to those other two? Because hopefully you have alignment between like what you're talking about and what your brand represents and what your audience wants and listens to. That's why they're listening to your show. But then bringing in another party has to be really well aligned to, to that kind of symmetry that you have already. If it's not, it's going to sound really weird, right? And that's why like I'm blown away that Honestly, like Casper Mattresses is such a sponsor, you know, popular sponsor because like, I don't know any podcast where like all those listeners are fanatical about their bed. And and so that's just, and so that kind of gets into a whole nother tangent, but, but I think like really figuring out who the best sponsors for your podcast and your brand and your audience are. And then once you've done that, there's like a couple of avenues you can go down when it comes to actually getting a sponsor for a show i think for most b2b companies or brands reaching out directly to a sponsor or a company or a brand and asking them to sponsor your show is going to be like the most lucrative and the best and really the probably the easiest way to go maybe easiest and most lucrative because if you go on like a pure cpm or cost per mil or cost per thousand downloads not a lot of like b2b shows have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of downloads. Some do, but 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 a lot don't. And so if you're a smaller show and you have a thousand or five thousand downloads per episode, 
and you get this like $20 CPM, you're just not making that much money. So, so, but, at, but if you have really good alignment between your brand and your podcast and what your audience wants and kind of who they are, and you go to a brand that's really well aligned there and say, Hey, my shows are $400 an episode and I have a minimum of four episodes in a pack. You can have a 30 second pre-roll or mid-roll, blah, blah, blah. You work the contract and the payment out by yourself and you're going to make pretty good money that way. Whereas getting that kind of money, and that's not like a crazy kind of non-CPM ad pricing. I think that's pretty standard for what, if you went out and tried to sponsor a lot of kind of popular marketing shows, it would be something like that. But if you tried to get that from a CPM basis, you would have to have tons of listeners and, and get like a high kind of CPM rate, which they're pretty locked in, like, you know, 20, 30, 40, maybe dollars per thousand downloads is just the rate. Um, mm -hmm. If you go to a tool like Megaphone or something that does this kind of programmatic ad insertion and things like that, that's just what they'll get you. So I'm a big fan of, especially for kind of smaller podcast or smaller brands that want a lot of control over who's sponsoring their show and what that advertising message looks like is just go do the work yourself and sell those ad spots. And it, you know, you, if you come up with a list of 20 companies, reach out to them, you'll have, you know, a handful that, that bite and then your work is done. It's just a matter of fulfilling it. Yeah. What, is, what is that outcome that you can kind of promote? Is, is it a conversion or getting someone to, to, go to the URL link that you mentioned at the end of the show, or is it like, what, what, what can you kind of hope to, to promise those sponsors? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of times the, the only thing you can kind of promise is the ad will run and it will have this many downloads right. and your brand will get this kind of exposure. And really, I don't know. It's tough. Like talking as a brand, I want conversions, but talking as a podcaster, I want, just the responsibility of getting the message out there because there's a lot of things like on page conversion and what the deal is and what the price is of their thing that they're selling is, is beyond your control. Mm -hmm. There definitely are some ad deals that are structured like you're talking about where it's like, okay, I'll pay you more of like an affiliate deal. You know, I'll pay you 20% of all the deals that convert from your podcast. Then there's like attribution to worry about. And that's just, I think from a, sponsor's perspective it's a lot safer from a podcaster's perspective it, it it gets kind of tricky right so so rather than pitching it as like only pay me when these people come through on your website start talking about more like a long-term relationship building is like these are obviously your key uh your ideal customers. Let's make it super organic. Let's not be pushy. Let's make this a long play. It'll be cheaper for you, like $400 in ads for two minutes of someone's attention. Like that's, that's super worthwhile. You could, you could blow that on Google ads in an afternoon and you're getting yep. like total time might be two seconds worth of someone's attention. And I think that's where you have to do a good job of telling the story of why your show is different than other channels. Like you're in someone's ear, mm. you get 30 seconds of like organic conversation promoting your brand. And I see, I see that as a huge differentiator between other kind of marketing channels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think some of the, the challenge of podcast advertising, you know, one is attribution. We mentioned like, because people are always going kind of cross platform. They're going from their phone to their laptop or their iPad they're doing something when they're listening to the podcast, they're 
going for a run or they're in the car, they're at the gym and they can't go buy your SaaS application. <laughs> so, so I think because of that, when you talk to folks who have done a fair amount of advertising on podcasts, they look at it almost as a branding exercise. First, maybe you'll get some direct conversions, but you know, what is the the statistic? Like someone needs to hear the message or the brand seven times before they'll make a conversion. Maybe that's just like the easiest and cheapest one of one or two of those seven um, to where the next time they see your brand in an ad or in a blog post that they'll say, Oh yeah, I heard these guys on Stuart's podcast. Yeah. It must be, it must be legit. What kind of offers do you see converting best using using like audio as the medium? Because there's still always that that issue of it's it's not frictionless. It's like you're someone might be running, someone might be pushing a stroller, and then they hear an offer and it piques their interest, and they're like, "Oh, I want to go check. I want to check out that product." Or or even as a podcast host saying, "Oh, and I I've got an email newsletter. I subscribe here." there's a step there. They need to pull out their phone. They need to open up either the browser or the mail app and then do something, right? It's not so frictionless as like Instagram ads where it just comes up and it says, scan your retina and we'll already, we'll send it to your house right away. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. what kind of offers do you see uh, working well? Or maybe you, you've you've seen some shows where they, they do a really great job at bringing people from the show onto a different platform. Yeah, I think think that like the, the given is that the other platform should be your website, right? It should not be as much as I love the idea of like Facebook groups and stuff, but that is not the place <laughs> to send people if you're looking for a conversion, right? So like sending people to your website, the place you own and you can, you know, for better or worse, track who those people are and kind of where they where they're coming from and what they're doing there. That that's the goal for me. And yeah, I getting people on an email list is the way to go. The the best because like podcasting a lot of terms is that like tip of the iceberg and the first time people have heard about a brand a lot of times or an offer that that getting people to opt into you know some sort of an incentive on your site you know it's a mini course or it's a white paper or it's a download or it's a you know content upgrade kind of thing is is a pretty good way to do it i've heard a nice kind of attribution trick from from co-schedule that they only mention that kind of special opt-in URL in the audio of their podcast from an attribution perspective, then like if people go in and opt into their email list there, they know that that came from the podcast, basically, because that's the only place it is. It's not in the show notes, it's only in the audio of of the podcast. So so that's that's like a nice way to be able to track a bit like how many of my subscribers are are coming from this thing. And you can kind of send them, you can, you know, assign custom attributes to that subscriber knowing that they came from the podcast. Yeah, and I think once obviously kind of once you get somebody on your email list, then like the typical kind of nurture sequence that that you might have for a prospect would would go into effect there. And I think just like thinking about what valuable thing you could offer to to like a new subscriber, you know, as like an incentive to get them on your list. You know, again, it's it's some piece of knowledge that's easily distributable from you to them. So like some kind of download, maybe even like a, a bit of consulting time, like hey, I have a you know free. 30 minute call with me. If you're like a consultant might be interesting. Yeah. I don't think that many people would go from like hearing a podcast, even if it's a show you've listened to for a while to signing up for like a SaaS application or something. It's just too big of a step. At the same time, if you've listened to a podcast for dozens or hundreds of episodes and, and that person 
starts up a new thing, then they've gained your trust over years or dozens of episodes or whatever to, to where that might be possible. So that kind of goes back to like that long game of of offering value and gaining trust with your audience to where when it's time to make that offer, it's a lot more likely to convert than if you were just some person that they didn't know at all. Yeah, I like what you said there about it being too big a step. You, you need to consider the context that someone's listening and what your offer is is getting them to do like a, a SaaS trial is a bit of a step like it's a bit of a commitment whether yep. whether SaaS people think of it as a commitment or not i know that i as soon as i'm prompted to give my email i i second guess whether i want to even engage right and people are going to be more defensive of their email just continually so you do need to be cognizant of what you're asking for and take that the baby steps to get there. I know that I need to take take a, take that own medicine as well and not not get ahead of myself where you're just like what do you mean you listen you listen to 15 minutes of the show. Let's let's yeah. jump on a, let's, let's jump on married. a half an hour phone call. It's like those those yeah. aren't the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's something that you're really excited about uh the podcasting world that you're going to be paying close attention to over the next 18 months? It, this doesn't necessarily apply to like kind of B2B marketing, but the the concept of like memberships for podcast, particularly like either free or paid really. Yeah, it's something that we're investing heavily in at this point is integration with membership platforms um, because they're big businesses that are growing very, very quickly these days with, with COVID. People are missing that connection that they have with the outside world and a lot of them are recreating that in a virtual environment. And it makes a lot of sense for these membership site creators to create podcast content to give to their audiences or to make some of their podcast content only for, you know, paying members or members of a community, whether it's paid or free. And so I, I think this is a really interesting place that this is going. The, the concept kind of of like paid memberships for podcast is is kind of just coming into its own now. But but a lot of people are approaching it kind of as a standalone thing. And we're taking a bit of a different route on that, I think. You mean some people are just launching podcasts and you can only get it if yeah. you pay? Yeah, that that's what I mean. But also like they're thinking that like they can have a paid podcast as like a standalone thing, not part of a bigger membership site. So, gotcha. you know, if you're part of a, you know, a, a, a community like the Dynamite Circle, like it's a, a membership site for online entrepreneurs they have a big membership site and has a forum and they have conferences and they have all this stuff. It's a natural extension for them to have a podcast that's only for their members. The other kind of more standalone thing I'm saying is like, what if you and I want to start a paid podcast today? We don't have all this other stuff in the background and all this other content and value to offer to people. And so to me, at least when I, when I look at like the paid membership, like the paid podcasting model, someone would have to be like delivering a lot of value for a lot of people to pay for it. You know, if you think about like the New York times is a paid publication now, but it's the New York times, <laughs> you know, I, I am not going to be the New York times anytime soon. And, and so to think that many of us kind of indie creators can, can have enough people that are willing to pay us five or $10 a month, I think is a stretch. That's super interesting. I've seen some other indie creators, take advantage of that the the idea of bundling mm. i know we i know we're in in certain mediums like tv we're going away from bundling but the reason that model works so well is because 
you're only good at one thing, right? You can't be super good at multiple things without reallocating your resources. So focusing on your one thing that makes you super unique and then partnering and bundling with other shows that have super unique angles and you see a partnership opportunity where you all Mm -hmm. offer overlapping insights to a similar crowd. I've seen indie creators start to do that where they'll actually like create a bigger channel and you get access to all their content. So now you're kind of putting together a team rather than rather than hiring, you're actually like collaborating so that you can yeah. create like the volume of content to warrant that $10 a month. But at the same time, you still get to focus on your own show. And then yep. you have to kind of yep. like figure out what profit sharing looks like. But I've seen that as, as an emerging kind of model that, that kind of satisfies that paid, but also the kind of quantity and quality question. Yeah, no, I... I... We interviewed someone for our podcast. His name is Jeff Umbro from Podglomerate. Podglomerate is like a podcasting agency that creates some of their own shows, but also helps monetize other kind of successful podcasts. And they are a network. And yeah, these podcast networks, whether it's they're all under the same kind of corporate umbrella or whether they just kind of mutually share each other's content because they share the same audience or types of audiences is super powerful. And if, if, you can find one to be a part of and it's mutually beneficial for everybody. It's a, it's a no brainer. It's Mm -hmm. a no brainer for everybody. And it's whatever free, right? Like there's, you don't have to sort of pay or you shouldn't have to pay to be a part of this because you should provide about the same amount of value as everybody else in, in the group. Yeah. Last question is we can wrap it up here. Can you explain what a podcast network is and and what kind of questions you should be asking as you research and, and try and find one that matches your, your, your show? Yeah. So I think like some of the best examples of podcast networks are NPR or Gimlet Media, right? And if you listen to any of those shows, they do a lot of, you know, hey, if you're enjoying this show, you might want to check out Serial or you might want to check out This American Life. You might want to check out Planet Money because they know that like people that listen to this kind of podcast probably want to listen to that podcast too. And it costs them absolutely nothing to mention this, you know, a 10 second snippet to talk about an interesting thing that they're doing over there on another show. And so this kind of cross pollination between podcasts is is absolutely fantastic. Like it has the highest adoption rate, I'll say, of of like any kind of promotional thing you do. And so that's really what podcast networks are. And they can be loosely structured from anything from, hey, we all will agree to mention another show in the network every episode or every other episode to paid kind of feed placement. So drop an entire episode of my podcast in your feed. And all of that happens. And there's, I mean, the the, the cool and weird thing about podcasting is there are no rules, right? No. It's all just what you and the other people in this you know, collective can decide is good for everybody. And that's really cool. You know, because there's there's a lot of rules everywhere else for us to be able to say like, hey, you know, me and these four or 10 other podcasts are going to get together and help each other out in a really genuine way, both to yourselves and for your audience is great. It's a limitless world. You can do kind of whatever you want with this content. And that's the the beauty of it. And also the the curse of it is like there is so much to do. Yeah. Focus on the things that work is kind of what mm. my motto has been or being with this. And I'm obviously pretty new to it. But the more I talk to others who are who are much more experienced, is they just it it it's whatever you want it to be. And it's by design as well. I do think that that will be changing in the next few years. You know, if you look at 
things that have happened in the podcasting industry, even just in the last few months. And the one that I always go back to is the Joe Rogan show getting bought by Spotify for $100 million. That will change the industry and that will change how we create content, how sponsors will advertise and where and what those terms look like. We talked about like premium podcasting. If that gets traction, like it's not available on Spotify. So if everybody starts listening to podcasts on Spotify, then this kind of paid premium podcasting model might not work. Uh, or people might have to have two places they listen to podcast, which is a real downer. So yeah, I just, I, I think that the the monetization of podcasting is getting more and more mature with bigger players coming into the space and, and like kind of real companies <laughs> coming into the space with real dollars and real analytics and real business sense that the, it's great for almost all of podcasting. But I think some things will change. And, and when that happens, some people are going to kind of be sore and say like, oh, it was better when it was just a collection of RSS feeds. And maybe that's true. But I think as an industry, the more wealth that is injected into it, the more it it, it kind of stabilizes things. So I, I'm happy about a lot of the changes that that I can see. And I can't see all of them. But but I think the more it gets matured, the, the more stable it gets. And that's just great for everybody. That's awesome. Thanks a lot for, for giving us some insight there, Craig. I really appreciate it and super enlightening for me. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It was awesome. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.